you're new with us, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor. Glad to have you here today. And uh, we've been uh, talking about the idea of counterfeits and how true joy and life is found through Christ. And uh, last week we we started this series, and I want to thank Justin for getting us started with that. He, it was uh, he did a great job, and and really kind of set the the tone for where we're going to be uh, going for the next uh, month as we talk this through. Because it's easy for us to seek out satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness in the things of life, um, but in the end, they're going to leave us unsatisfied. In the end, those things are going to come up short. And as we look at the counterfeits that we seek instead of Christ and, and the things that we look to to try to satisfy our true desires, we really do realize where we left last week is that true joy is found in Christ alone. And we know that. And so that's where we need to go and that's what we need to aim for. And, uh, and as Justin talked about last week, he used the analogy of uh, the, the Sunday that it was an ice cream Sunday, but it wasn't really, and I, I mean, it kind of was an ice cream Sunday. It was ranch, uh, it was ranch um, ice cream. Uh, Hidden Valley Ranch made ice cream. I don't know who told them that was a good idea, but um, I don't have any kind of gross food today, so you're welcome. Um, but at the same time, man, what a good analogy that was because it really was like a counterfeit of something that we look at and we think is going to be good and we think is going to be great, right? But when you look at a, at a counterfeit, it's something that is defined as a counterfeit. It's something that's made in exact imitation of something that's, that's valuable or important with the intention to deceive and defraud. Something that's counterfeit is, always has a negative intention to deceive us and, and to defraud us. And so... As, as we talk about the things that we use as counterfeits or false replacements for the true joy that Jesus brings us, because this world leaves us wanting and this world leaves us unsatisfied. And so today we're going to look at, at a counterfeit that gets really to all of us in, in some way, shape, or form, because it's something that's necessary, but it's also something that can rob us of other joys and life um, in pursuit of those same joys. And so, of course, I'm talking about work. Work is something that is necessary, absolutely. It's something that can, we can celebrate for sure, but it can easily come a, become a distraction and can easily become a substitute for God. And you may not think of it that way, but part of the problem with work is that it ends up becoming a piece of our identity. Some of us love our job. Some of us hate our job. Some of us kind of fall somewhere in between, but all of us find some level of purpose, however minimal, in what it is that we do for a living or what we like to call that we do for a living. And even if that's being a stay-at-home mom, which is a full-time job, amen, that's an interesting statement though, isn't it? The, the statement of what we do for a living talk more about that in a, in a few minutes. We'll come back to that. In the professional service industry, the serving industry, 94% of workers, 94% work 50 hours a week or more. 48% of Americans believe that they are workaholics. That means a good half of this room, pretty close to half of this room that you would possibly identify yourself as a workaholic. We work longer hours, we work more weekends, yet 72% of people say 
that work-life balance is something that they consider when looking for a job. That to have that balance is something that, that's important. Yet, 72% of us say that 77% of Americans, I'm sorry, who do work full-time jobs um, have experienced a form of burnout more than once. There's no time to balance, which means you can't prioritize the things that you should, like your family, like your health. Are we leaving time to rest? Are we leaving time to worship? Are we leaving time to, to spend time with family? I'm gonna be honest with you guys, like right up front, I fall into this category a little bit. This is me a little bit. So when I tell you on Sundays that a lot of times I'm preaching to myself, today is 100% that one. Because there's questions that we need to ask ourselves, like am I leaving space to rest? Am I leaving time to worship and spend time with, with my family? We, we need to ask ourselves those questions because I naturally fall into this category and so I have to naturally, uh, unnaturally, ask myself these questions all the time. Because workaholism is a problem. And it's a problem in this country, in our society, when people work too much, not because they have to, because of the livelihood of their family's survival and stuff. That's a whole different thing. Sure, there are, there are definitely times and, and you know, circumstances in your life where you know, maybe that's necessary for right then and there to provide. That's, that's one thing, because responsibility is a whole nother thing. Having a responsibility to provide and care for your family's needs, that's one thing. But when our identity is found there, that's something else. Our job, our career, it's something that can unintentionally become our identity. When you meet somebody, when you meet somebody for the first time, oftentimes, what is one of the first places you go when you're introducing yourself to somebody? One of the first things that you'll share about yourself or, or your life, it's what do you do, right? You go there. You go there real quick. The, the information you give about yourself. I'm, you know, I, I work for a law firm. I'm a barista. I'm a secretary. I'm a pastor, right? I, I'm an electrician. I say, welcome to Walmart. Whatever that might be, all, you know, all, all around there. Instead of saying no to the unnecessary work, right? We, we say no to ourselves and others, and we rely on our work ethic to give them identity and purpose. And so while there's this growing emphasis on a work-life balance, and, and there, quite frankly, there should be, finding it is a problem for many. Because we do find our identity in what we do. Funny enough, oftentimes if I meet somebody that, that doesn't know me, doesn't know what I do at all, a lot of times I'll lead with I work for a nonprofit. I, I generally don't share right away that I'm a pastor because walls go up instantly. And people automatically assume things and treat the whole circumstance different. So I'll just, yeah, I, just, I work for a nonprofit. I don't know about you and where you are, but I don't want my identity to be wrapped up in necessarily what I do or what I could maybe do for the kingdom be compromised in that way. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 14. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 14, and, and we're going to be starting about halfway down in, in the passage there, in, or in the chapter, but I want to kind of set up some things at, at the very beginning of the chapter where it talks about what Jesus is actually doing here, because he is eating with some Pharisees at a Pharisee's house, and it's, and it's on the Sabbath, and so understand this, that the custom 
of what you can and can't do on the Sabbath is that you basically can't do anything. That you can't work on the Sabbath. You can't do anything according to the Jewish law at that time. That according to the law, because they took the Sabbath principle to places that it was never intended to go, but there is even a, a list of things that, you, that the Jewish people can and cannot do on the Sabbath. And so Jesus asks the question, is it wrong to heal on the Sabbath? Knowing the answer to this, he asks this question and no one answers. It gets real quiet. And there's someone there that he heals. There's a man there that he heals. He's suffering from this abnormal kind of swelling condition, if you read it. And most modern doctors would call it dropsy. And Jesus heals him and then he reminds them that there is no law against healing on the Sabbath. Now, Jesus never broke the commandments of God. He did push some things to the, to the limits, but he never broke the commandments of God. He, he offended man's traditions, but he never broke the, uh, the commands of God. The, the traditions that were surrounded and, and extended the commandments of God, he, he definitely looked at those. But he takes the opportunity here to continue teaching and he brings an important lesson here to everybody through a parable. Now a parable, a parable is uh, an, an earthly story with a spiritual lesson. And so we're gonna look at quite a few verses here beginning in verse 16 where Jesus then takes this opportunity and he tells a story. And I want you to pay attention to this story and the way in which things kind of go down and what he's really getting at. It says this, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the county lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So he's telling the story about a banquet, about, about a party, this feast. And, and it's really talking about the kingdom of God is really what he's getting at. Because it's a parable about the kingdom of God and who's going to be there, who's going to be present. And the kingdom here is described like a banquet and, and a feast, a party. And as the parable goes, a man decides to host this banquet. And once it's ready, he sends his servants out to invite certain people. But instead of coming to the feast, they all make excuses. They all make excuses. One can't come because they've just purchased a field and they need to go check it out. Similar, the next person uh, has to go check out some, some livestock that they just got, so I can't come because I gotta go do that. Another person can't come because they just got married. Now, marriage is a God-ordained institution, absolutely. 
but it shouldn't be elevated to the ultimate thing, right? Marriage and, and relationships, they, they're satisfying and fulfilling, absolutely. But, but if a spouse thinks that their marriage will bring the ultimate joy, then the relationship has actually become a counterfeit for, for life's true meaning with the Lord. And all of these things really in the story can amount to a lifestyle of a workaholic. Or to put it another way, I'm too busy. Anybody said that one lately? <laughs> Today? <laughs> yeah, I'm too busy. We are all so busy. We're all so busy with our stuff, with all the stuff of life that we have to do and we have to get done. And I've got to get this done and I've got to get that done. And my calendar just keeps filling up, right? These things were supposed to help us to like manage life a little bit better, but instead we just fill up our iCal so much quicker, don't we? We just fill it up with all the stuff. And you know what? We have times and seasons and, and weeks and things like that where stuff just piles up. Quite frankly, my family's coming off of a couple of weeks that were just insane and just super busy for a couple of weeks. But that shouldn't be the norm. A lot of things piled up for us. And yeah, you're going to have that. But that can't be the norm. We're actually now kind of going into a couple of weeks where we don't really have a whole lot going on, praise God. And so we're going to do our best to kind of protect that. But you know what, if these things stand in between us and our relationship to God, then they can become a counterfeit to the true joy that we're supposed to be experiencing and, and seeking and driving for with the Lord. So let me ask this. What are you sacrificing at the counterfeit altar of busy? That's a hard question. That's a tough question, but it's one that we should ask. Because a lot of times we think that a career is going to satisfy us. That that's going to give us meaning. That's going to give us purpose. But if you place your hope in your career, then it's become counterfeit to God's place in your life. Time with your family. What about that? Are we sacrificing time with our family at the, at the counterfeit altar of busy? Because all the money in the world can't buy you more time. What about investing in your marriage? Are you sacrificing that at the counterfeit altar of busy? What about time with the Lord? I'm, I'm sorry, none of us have an excuse, none of us. This might sound really like harsh and whatever, but I'm sorry, I gotta say it. No one has the excuse of, I just don't have time to get into the word. Yes, you do. I'm sorry, yes, you do. I don't care what your schedule is, yes, you do. You prioritize what's important to you and your calendar shows it because we all have 24 hours. What are you sacrificing? You're sacrificing your eternal calling for the sake of a temporary career. But it's not just your job that makes us a workaholic. It's not just that. It's our, our hobbies, our responsibilities that, that we heap up maybe higher than they should be. We heap up certain things higher than they should be. So ask yourself this, are you a servant of Jesus or are you a servant of your work? See, one of the things Jesus was illustrating was, was what these people were missing out on by making excuses. This was quite the banquet that the master had to throw. This is paralleling the kingdom of God. That there, there's this banquet, there's this party. The kingdom of God is something that we should all strive and want to be a part of and we're all invited to be, but we're too busy with our stuff. 
And these people missed out because they were serving the temporary things that don't last forever. We so easily forget and we push aside the eternal stuff versus the temporary stuff. Sometimes we just need reminded that we can't serve two masters. And we forget. Jesus said in Luke 16, says no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can have both God and money. There's nothing wrong with having money. But which one are you serving? You can't serve them both. So ask yourself this question. Do you live to work or do you work to live? This can be helpful in, in really identifying counterfeits in our life, especially when it comes to this. Remember that statement at the very beginning that, that we've all said, what I do for a living, right? What I do for a living. Do you, do you live to work or do you work to live? If you're living to work, then your work has become a counterfeit for God, which is who you are supposed to live for. But if you work to live and, and to serve God, who is your true life, then, then it's actually a vocation, right? And a, a vocation is, is a strong feeling. We talked about this a couple months ago. It's a strong feeling of being suited for a particular career or an occupation, but that's not quite what is meant by a Christian vocation. If you're a follower of Jesus, a vocation in this sense means that we can serve God in, in whatever work or home life we have. We can serve the Lord, which in turn means this. My work is what I do so that I can be who Jesus called me to be. This is a very different way to think about what your career and what it is that you do. As much as I loved working in the art field, and I did, and I do, deep down, it wasn't who I am. But I'm gonna be honest with you, for a really long time, my identity was wrapped in Jay as an artist. That is so much of who I thought I was. And that, is, that was really a, a lot of what I thought I was put on this earth to do. It's why I went to art school. It's why my, my goals were exactly what they were is because that's exactly what I thought I was put on this earth to do. It wasn't who Jesus called me to be. I wasn't seeking that. I was seeking to work for the Disney company. <laughs> As much as I love that, deep down, I realize it's not who I am. As much as I love being your pastor, and I do, it's not who I am. It's what I get to do. I am a follower of Jesus. I am a husband. I am a father. That is who I am. And I get to be your pastor as my vocation where I get to use all of my gifts and all of my talents for the Lord and that's just a really cool icing on the cake for me because I do I get to use all those things I get to use my artistic abilities and all of that stuff I would have never thought in a million years I thought I was going to be working for the magic kingdom not for God's kingdom <laughs> and I could not be more happy to be wrong When those things are in order, 
I find true joy in the Lord. And you know what? I don't always have those things in order all the time because I do love what I do. I, I, I love getting to be your pastor. I don't always have those things in order and I have to remind myself all the time. You can ask my family. I don't always have those things in order. I kind of make the joke sometimes that like I just sleep at my house. This is actually my home. That's kind of funny, but it's kind of not. Because I'm here a lot. But, but the thing is, you know, a friend of mine says this often. And I just love this statement because it really kind of sums us up. He says, I want to be into whatever the Lord is up to. Boy, how true is that? I want to be into whatever the Lord is up to. And that right there is the perspective that keeps our eyes on Jesus. And whatever job, whatever career, whatever livelihood, whatever vocation we have, and whatever God has put on our plate... Colossians 3, 17 says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, whatever you do, whether it's what you would consider the most important job all the way down to what you, whatever you would consider the least important job, wherever the Lord has you planted right now for your job and or career, you can do all of those things for the Lord. Whatever you do, you can do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he can use that for his kingdom purposes, which is why the connection point for the day is that true joy is not found in our career, but in our calling. It's not found in your career, but it's found in your calling. And do you realize that maybe your career is your calling? But instead, we, we haven't looked at it that way. We've just looked at it as this is what I've got to do and to provide and all of those kinds of things. And, and yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of truth in that. But if that career is your calling as well as your calling to your relationship with the Lord, number one, your relationship with your spouse, number two, your relationship with your kids, number three, and then your career and your calling, number four, that's the right order in which things should be in then you're going to find true joy in the Lord in all of those things. And your perspective on what you do is going to be framed so much differently. You may actually walk into the job that you hate tomorrow and realize maybe you don't hate it as much because I'm doing this for the Lord and because there are kingdom opportunities right here, right now, in this office or this restaurant or this whatever, whatever place that you're landing in. True joy is not found in our careers or our livelihood, but in God who cares for us and provides for our needs. That's where we find him. And see, a calling, a calling is a whole different perspective because it's the truth that God calls us to, to himself so, so decisively, so clearly that everything that we are, everything that you are, everything that you do, everything that you have is invested with a devotion and a direction that's lived out as a response to serving him. And that is such a different way to look at wherever he has you planted. Do you maybe need to say no a little more often? I know that's a sentence I need to remind myself that exists, and it is a complete sentence, by the way. No, period. It is a complete sentence, 
and you can use it. If somebody wants to get offended by you saying that sentence, then they can be offended. Because we're going to prioritize the things that God says we should prioritize. Maybe you need to say no a little more often so that you can say yes to the Lord a little more. So that maybe you can say yes to your family a little more. So that you can say yes to what matters for eternity a little bit more. I don't know where you're at in your life, where you've, where you've come from today, what, what maybe you're struggling with. But, but if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, and maybe you're trying to figure out how this all meshes and how this career that I've got that seems to just be taking up all my time, maybe, maybe your relationship with the Lord needs to be something that needs to be kind of funneled into that. And not, and not funneled from like, I need to just take my career and hand it to the Lord, but I need to be a follower of Jesus first and let him take everything down from there. Because when that happens, you find true joy. You find a right perspective in all of the things that you're doing. Will you bow your heads with me? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've you've just felt the world of busy piling up on you and you feel like you have to be that busy just to dig out can I just tell you that the Lord wants more for you than that and that maybe surrendering everything to him is what you really need to do and to set your priority list where it needs to be. Maybe you, need to, maybe you do need to say no to a couple more things. Maybe there are some times where you might need to disappoint a person here or there so that you don't disappoint the one that really matters and the values that truly matter to him. If you're struggling with what to do there, maybe you need to pray with someone today. We've got people in yellow lanyards that would love to pray with you, talk with you, listen. Just put your arm around you and just pray. If you want to have a relationship with the Lord though, that's really where it's at. That's where we find our calling. That's where we find our true purpose is when we connect to Jesus, when we connect to our church family and the Lord reveals and shows us purpose in our life. And that's what we're all about here. Jesus, I love you so much. And I thank you that you're willing to say the hard things to us through your word. I thank you, Lord, that, that you don't pull any punches with the truth of your scriptures. And Lord, some of us have sacrificed some things at the altar of busy. Some of us feel like we just, we have to. Lord, show us the right paths because sometimes we, we feel like we don't know any other way to go and any other way to be. And so I pray that you would give straight paths to, to all of us that are, that are looking for that. Give us balance in our life where we need to find that balance. Give us opportunities to, to really prioritize and, and prioritize our relationship with you and our relationship with our family. And then you'll give us purpose and show us purpose in our calling. And yes, in our career. Lord, I pray for the one that's, that's struggling with that right now. And I feel like that's more than just one of us. 
Help us to look to you, Jesus, and, and look to you to guide us and direct us as we navigate this crazy world that's just getting crazier. Lord, we need you more and more. If there is one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, if there's one watching online that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that they would start there and get their relationship with you right. That they would know they're going to be with you forever. Because of what you did for us on the cross, Lord. Because you, you died and you sacrificed yourself to, to save us. And one day, you're coming back to get us, Lord. As you rose again, your resurrection power lives in each one of us who says and calls you our Father. And who follows you and has surrendered their life to you. So, Father, we just pray that you would just continue to move through this place, empower us, give us wisdom and direction and discernment as we're looking and, and hopefully making some decisions about how we can reprioritize our life. Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name.